Welcome, change agents. I'm so glad you're here. This is Cheryl Klein, and you're listening to the Limitless Leader Podcast. Hey there, Cheryl here. Today is a very special day. I wanted to really welcome Bree Williams, the Vice President of Practice Management at State Street Global Advisors. Bree, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day. It's my pleasure to be here, Cheryl. I appreciate the invitation. Of course. Now, you have done so many amazing things already in your career, and I cannot wait to hear some of the big stepping stones and advice that you have for people that are watching, you know, for women in finance, women in wealth management, but really probably applicable to um, any female leader or emerging leader. But before we jump into that, I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about your why and your who. In other words, what got you started down the path to what you're doing? And if you don't mind, can you get a little bit vulnerable with us and share, were there any hiccups along the way? Sure. I think that's a really good place to start. Um, You know, I think first and foremost, the seat that I sit in today is not actually the seat I initially had envisioned when I started out on a career path. I thought I would embark on a career in broadcast journalism. That's what I went for my undergrad degree for. Um, I think in a roundabout way, I am on TV in some regards, but not delivering the news. Um, And I took the elements of what I enjoy, which is the psychology behind relationships and, you know, crafting and telling stories. You know, when you consider some of the things that got you where you needed to go, you have to remember that it's not just you that's taking you to this destination. So you and I had talked about, you know, way back when in the time machine, you know, what might have inspired me to pursue ultimately career in finance um, or what gave me the guts to try something a little out of my comfort zone, knowing I was focused on journalism and storytelling. You know, it really has to do with, I think, all the moving around I did as a child. I've lived in uh, seven different states. I've had eight moves. It's a lot of different schools, a lot of new towns, a lot of new people. Um, And that requires flexibility and a bit of a go-get-it attitude in order to just try and fit in. Um, But when you think about it from a different viewpoint, it was also a chance, um, you know, as I was growing up to kind of start over many times and, you know, think about things a little bit differently because the snow globe would shake every three or four years on what was home base, who was part of the network, who were my friends, where was I going to school? Um, So as a result, that fearlessness of trying something new and being independent um, really gave me probably the push or the nudge I needed when I was thinking about, well, you know what, maybe journalism is not where I want to craft a career. Um, And that led me into marketing, which then led me into uh, global sales distribution, which now led me into the business development seat that I sit in uh, for Global Spider. You know, all of those twists and turns, you know, the real guiding uh, force for me was take that chance, try something a little different. You have survived before when you've gone outside or colored outside the lines. Uh, So those all opportunities, you know, whether I sought them out or they were someone approaching me, the open mind, the willingness to try something different and think about it, you know, three or four steps ahead of what could this be? Where could this take me? 
Um, and even if it wasn't something I thought of as of yet, could I envision it being a part of my future? Um, and that's something that continues to shape my journey today and be a bit of a guiding force for me. I think there are a lot of lessons learned along the way, but if I were to sum it up into two parts, it would be, could I get comfortable failing up? Which is another way of saying, learn and grow and make mistakes, but learn fast. Um, and that learning fast requires you to not always be successful. So you have to fail fast, learn from that, and then move forward, pick yourself up. Because even when you don't succeed, you are making progress. It may not be the immediate result you were hoping for, but you will take away some key points, uh, things I could do differently, things I should have done better, um, things that worked really well. Um, and that hindsight will help you be even more successful the next time. So the failing up and failing fast would be my two takeaways from that journey that really brought me to the seat uh, a couple, let's just say a couple of years later. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, definitely. When I really, um, you know, you didn't explicitly point it out, but I really love your perspective because some people could look at moving many times and think of it as, oh, it's so terrible. I have to start from scratch. I have no friends. It could be kind of a negative mindset about it. And I'm wondering if you think when it comes to mindset and about moving and about the opportunities, if that really helped you and if things might've been different if you had a different perspective and you didn't have an optimistic mindset. If you looked at it as something bad and challenging and difficult that you were like being yanked around by your parents or that you looked at it as a, as a bad thing. So do you think that your mindset and being optimistic and looking at it as an opportunity really served you to, to use those opportunities in the best way that you could? Absolutely. I mean, let's be honest, there were a few times when we got the announcement at home that we were going to a new destination uh, for the next opportunity. There were tears and big ones that um, and I'm not going. You're going to have to leave me here. I mean, all of that was very real. But you're talking about a, a little bit of the doubt, self-doubt um, and how that can get in the way of one's progress. And I think that continues in one's progression, both in their personal life and professionally and what they pursue. And, you know, the form like we're talking about uh, today, you know, what the participants are looking at is a polished, prepared result with some authenticity on top of it. But there's a, a lot that gets into, you know, how do I say what I want to say or, you know, the type of material we put forward or, um, an idea that blossoms into a robust uh, business development program, you know, those are filled with uh, questions along the way. Uh, it's not perfect the first time out of the gate. So when you think about the, what the role that self-doubt can play, it can get in the way. When I find that creeping into my head, um, the little voice of, well, that's not possible, or you shouldn't think about doing it because um, you might not have what it takes. I have to turn that mindset around into a more productive process uh, to build the confidence to keep going or to push through. And there are many ways to do that. You know, when I think about it through the work lens, um, I want to learn by doing. It's the, that's the way I learn well. Um, so can I get a chance to, to learn by putting things into a practical application? It'll help me be more successful as I put those new skills to work, which are first uncomfortable and, and new. 
Um, learning by doing helps me become better. And I work through some of those fears and anxiety that I've built up in my mind by just trying it. Um, I will also watch and learn from others. So can I take a page from someone else's playbook? That can be motivational for me. Um, and I've seen someone do something better before. I might tweak it, of course, to fit me and how I communicate and uh, how I learn and how I express the end result. But I learn a lot from someone else. And then lastly, you have a network for a reason. You have colleagues for a reason. They can often be a safer forum if you want to try an idea out or if you want to practice. It's a lower stakes forum for you to take that um, failing up approach, if you will, before you speak in front of 300 people at a main stage conference. You know, all of those things, self-doubt is definitely a natural part of the progress. And I think, you know, really what you're getting at here is confidence. Um, confidence is something that you want to continuously work on. Um, I may come across as very confident, but it's something I work on on a regular basis. Um, and when you think about your ability to be confident, you know, that's a key role in, in your life and it shapes both the personal and the professional and it will help you be successful. You know, I think there are benefits to building one's confidence and resilience is a key part of that. It goes hand in hand and you want to then take that self-doubt and turn it into self-compassion. And I think self-compassion, just to be very clear, that's not the pity party because it's the opposite of being self-critical. But what you want to do is take that fear and take that anxiety. When you can turn that into self-compassion in yourself, you're going to find that you are more optimistic. You have that sunnier outlook on the possibilities of what you're doing and what comes next. And what you find is people that have higher self-efficacy, that they're more successful because of mm -hmm. that mindset change it makes a big difference. You know, you used a word um, intentionally, and, and that was about demands at work. I would say as a mindset change, think about your work demands as challenge demands. When you just frame it that different way, the challenge demands are what are the effort, the parts at work that are have more effort, that require the significant lift on your part. View those as pathways to growth. When you do that, you'll find higher engagement in your work and you will also find the burnout to be at a lower level. Yeah, I think that's so important. And then a lot of times if we're relating back to your moves and then also looking at probably how that has served as a tool in your tool belt, you know, sometimes some people think about why did this happen to me? Um, but you can really think about why did this happen for me? So in other words, if you are constantly moving all the time, it's not like, why is this always happening to me? It's why is this always happening for me? Um, and yeah. that can be the case too, when things happen in our career that aren't ideal. Like we have certain things in our mind and certain preferences that we have. And usually things don't go always as planned. So sometimes when we get derailed just speaking to your point of having that perspective and rather than why, you know, maybe you don't get the promotion or maybe you get like, hopefully maybe someone gets let go or maybe someone gets looked over, you know, after working really hard. And, but having that different perspective, like you were talking about and why did this happen for me? Uh, because that can usually be a springboard to something much greater. And I think it reminds me of an, um, 
uh, an MLK quote, of course, because we've been seeing a lot of them the last couple of days. But it's and this isn't exactly it, but the gist of it is just really greatness comes out of darkness. And mm -hmm. so if we can really speaking to your point, really honor those things and have that, you know, optimistic perspective, then it can really be a, a springboard and really crack open your next level of greatness. So kudos for you for, you know, maybe formally or informally already knowing that, but really putting that into play. Yeah, I think uh, your words are well said because everyone's the captain of their own ship and things happen for a reason, whether they're good or bad. And it's about the opportunity to create that change. And sometimes you have to be the catalyst. So if you didn't get that promotion, what can you do differently to change the outcome? Is it a, a new path within the same company? Is it perhaps an exploration of an opportunity outside of that company? Uh, but when you don't make any decisions and just let things happen, good and bad, then you're not really steering the ship. Yes, you're, <clears throat> I agree wholeheartedly. You're really leaving, you know, you're really in reaction mode and being kind of blown around a little bit by your circumstances. So, so important. And so when it comes to female leaders and emerging leaders, and I dare say, you know, um, women in wealth management who are further marginalized within our gender, because just taking a, a pause on that for a moment, I uh, actually it was a couple of years ago now, I interviewed Kelly McElhaney, who's the professor of, um, she's a professor at UC Berkeley Haas School of Business, but also started the Center for Equity, Gender and Leadership. And it was really eye opening, you know, talking to her, but also, you know, even looking at the 2020 and now the 2021 uh, McKinsey report that um, there's, there is gender inequity, but there's also a tremendous amount of inequity within our gender. And so speaking to one or both of those, are there any um, strategies or tips or anything that you can offer, maybe even uniquely and specifically for women in wealth management or women in finance? Sure, there's a lot in that question. So one thing I would, would put forward is there are some blind spots on the progression pathway. And some of those we own, our own accountability we can get in our own way, despite best intentions. And others are things, the influences around us that we don't have a ton of control over. So the truth lies a little bit in the middle um, and to reach true equality, you know, we have to do our part as well um, as the employee or contributor. Now, from a, a manager standpoint, um, and you don't even have to be a manager, you know, the things that I, I find we still need to be talking about, you know, is the mentorship, the coaching, and the sponsorship. I think the emphasis on the sponsorship is particularly important because you need advocacy as someone who is making their way up the ladder uh, within wealth management. Um, and it's not just enough to have one. So do people really uh, bound, bound the table for you uh, when there's an opportunity for a promotion or to be considered for a stretch assignment? Um, who's willing to wear your brand? I mean, that is very important and very different than someone mentoring you and coaching you. And when you think about progression, 
that sponsorship happens uh, outside of your purview. And you can't just walk up to someone and go, would you sponsor me? You want to be demonstrating your worth as a high potential candidate to earn that consideration. So the classics like networking and, you know, playing in traffic and joining uh, community and corporate work groups all expose you to different people and different opportunities. So you want them to take a chance on you, you have to take a chance on them and expand your horizons, not just stay true to the criteria that's on your job description. It seems like a lot and I don't mean that to be overwhelming, but that's where the accountability comes into play. Um, and you can have a hand in your destiny, um, but you wanna be cultivating the support around you and make sure that your great work gets noticed. Yeah, yeah, so important. And then, you know, do you think it's important for um, women to make big asks? So in other words, you know, ask for sponsorship or mentorship by someone that they think in their mind would likely say no. Um, and if you're a proponent of that, what is a way that women can get prepared because at the end of the day it's great to be brave but you don't want to be brave and then waste someone's time uh, because that i mean it, it could really back it could be annoying for the you know more senior leader and it could backfire really on you because it'll sh it could shine a lightness on a weakness um mm -hmm. which is could be worse than just not having the attention at all so do you think that that's important and if so what's a way that um a an emerging leader could really be prepared and make it worth a more senior leader's time and get the most out of it i think very much so and you have to drive what you want the conversation to be when you ask for someone's time it's like you're running point on the meeting so i'll use a personal example and i'll use mentorship as as our um, subject matter so when i uh, transitioned from the world of marketing from the advertising agency side of the business and jumped over to Putnam Investments to work in finance for the very first time as a dedicated industry focus for myself. Um, and within marketing, but hand in hand with sales distribution, that was a whole new world for me. So uh, one of the things that was available to me that was my choice, uh, did I want to become a participant in their mentor program? And, you know, pretty seasoned in my career at that point. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. But you know what? Actually, yes, I do. Because I want to learn from someone that I spotted right out of the gate that was fantastic in terms of how she held a room. Um, she was one of the only women in the room often um, in a you know male-dominated space of sales. Um, I wasn't sitting in sales, but that was something I was thinking about. So I asked the program director, can I pick the mentor and ask if she would be willing to be my mentor in, in this construct that they were facilitating? Uh, it was a um, wild ask. Um, and they said, yes, if she's willing to do it, by all means, approach her. So when I asked her if she was willing to do this, she was certainly familiar with the program because she'd been with the company for a very long time. I had come prepared with a specific ask of why I was interested in working with her and what I was hoping to achieve. Um, and if we had the chemistry and she was willing to do it, my goal was that we would work on this well beyond the six weeks of the program. 
Um, you know, fast forward today, she's still someone that I speak with. It's been years. But what you put into the relationship and what you want out of that engagement is entirely up to you. If you have a willing partner like I did in her, then she will do or he will do whatever they can to help you uh, because you have a clear vision. Even if it's not entirely clear or it changes along the way, be transparent about what it is you want to achieve. Keep your objectives you know, reasonable. Um, they're not going to change your world. You are. But they can be that guidance that you're looking for or someone to learn from, especially if you're trying to figure out who's who in the zoo, what are the ropes, process, fantastic sounding board, and she continues to be counsel for me today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so such important points. And do you think, too, even going into these meetings, it's important to think through what can I contribute because I think a lot of people might not, especially emerging leaders might not think if I make this big ask and I'm prepared, they a lot of times think that I'm just trying to receive from this person. But, you know, they they also have an important perspective and a you know, fresh set of eyes. So is there, you know, any way that, uh, well, first of all, do you, do you agree that they should come into these meetings thinking of how can I add value to this, to this? Um, relationship or this ask? And then also, what is their best way to approach it, you know, in a very respectful and compassionate way? So a relationship's a two-way street. You definitely want to be contributing. It's not all taking. Um, it's not enough to just to come prepared with what you want to accomplish. You really have to pay it forward in many respects. You can bring some value to them too. Um, there's a reason they want to engage in the relationship because it's not like they're just getting a gold star because they took on a mentee, as an example. Um, I think that, you know, it's the same uh, approach if you're invited to a meeting. You can prepare for the meeting, but you want to make sure you contribute to the meeting. You're at the meeting for a reason. You're not there just to listen and learn. You're there to play a role in guiding whatever the agenda may be about if you're not running the meeting yourself. Um, you may find that if you don't contribute, um, and be part of the process, then you stop getting those invitations. The same thing is true in the relationship because for anyone who's been a mentor or a mentee, you know that it's it's quite a bit amount of work. Uh, same thing from the coaching role, Cheryl, that I know you often um, play with, with many in, in your network. Um, and the sponsor role too requires a significant commitment. These are not easy um, on the participant or the individual that's helping shape your career. You know, this requires them to provide constructive criticism. You have to react to that. You have to show improvement against that. You may not want to hear that. Uh, so the give and take that you can provide, you know, is second to none in what's going to be the outcome that you will gain from these uh, conversations. Um, and not every relationship that you ask to embark on either will become as fruitful as the one I just described. I've certainly had fits and starts in trying to establish a relationship with people I admired, um, were inspired by and respected, and we just simply didn't have the bandwidth. It's not a personal knock on you. When you make that ask and they turn you down, you move on to the, the next person that might be in a position to help you. Uh, but if you don't ask or you don't raise your hand or you don't put yourself out there, the answer is already no. Such an important reminder so what I wanted to end with is the question, if you 
we're gonna give advice to your younger self or for any female leaders or even you know female leaders who may be peers of yours that are watching, what is a one call to action or be sure to remember this? What's the one important? And there are many more than one, but what's something that you really want people to put in their back pocket to have as a tool for themselves going forward? Sure, you're right, there are a lot. Um, but I think the one that sticks with me today, you know, is a lesson I learned probably six years into my career, which was to stay authentic, uh, be true to who you are, and don't try to fit the mold just because you think that's what they're looking for or want. That can be anything from trying to dress and or look like the people that are in your industry to um, trying to change the way you present or communicate to lean more heavily into a direction um, of travel you will have to do some adapting but you don't want to get lost in the process because when you get lost in the process then you're actually going to lose focus you'll lose your motivation and you'll probably find it harder to achieve not only what's required of you in the role but your own personal goals on your professional path um, so being authentic was one the best advice I've been ever given, but it's a lesson I learned early on that I really don't want to repeat is I'm Brie Williams and take me as I am and I contribute meaningfully to the conversation and to the work product. Um, and just because I think differently than you, look differently than you, than you um, or approach problem solving differently than you and so on, doesn't mean it's wrong um, or that I have to fit the exact same way that you do it. The world's too competitive for us to be operating in the echo chamber. We need diversity of thought that comes in all shapes and sizes. So there's a reason someone asked you to be on the team, looked at you for a role, considered you for a promotion, embrace it. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is be authentic to who you are and really own it. And then if it seems like it's really important to surround yourself with people that will honor that authenticity and maybe offer some support or coaching like you talked about um, to help you learn and improve uh, while accepting that honest that honest and authentic version of you. So Brie Williams, so much gold share today. Thank you so much. Congratulations on all of the things that you've accomplished and all of your great work that you continue to do at, straight, at State Street, excuse me. I look forward to following you and really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. If you've enjoyed this episode, follow or subscribe to the Limitless Leader Podcast with Cheryl Klein on whatever podcast platform you use. We'll let you know every time we release a new episode. And if you really enjoyed what you've heard so far, rate and review us too. That's one of the best ways that you can support us and make sure that this podcast keeps going. And also, I offer a significant library of free mental toughness and high performance videos, worksheets, tips, and other helpful content on my website at www.cherylkline.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Cheryl Klein, and I look forward to having you back next time. And remember, you're only limited by what you think is possible. Cheering you on always.